Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez Brownlee. And I'm Andrew Manganelli. And how about that? A bonus episode. So we came at you last week with an episode, promised we'd be back this week, and we are, and we'll be back again next week. So figured while we're in quarantine and we're, you know, pumping out that quarantine content, we have the videos, but we also have more time to listen to stuff too. So we might as well do some more podcasting and talk yeah. about the tech. And there's there's enough news to do that. Yeah, and I'm also kind of like losing it here. So editing an extra podcast is is totally fine by me. So you don't mind we'll hearing your own more, voice yeah. yet? I uh, still mind it, but it's uh, it's still better than hearing no voice and just sitting around all day. Fair. So. Fair. Okay. Well, so I guess I'll start with like, what have we been up to? Because that's mm-hmm. typically how we how we begin these things. You said you're editing the podcast. Have you found any other busy time time wasting time taking <laughs> time- activities? <laughs> um. I still haven't drawn anything walking yet. I'm trying to find like, remember I mentioned last week. Like, oh yeah, you're supposed a, to write some text or something. I haven't done that yet. The weather's been kind of not great here. Um, I think my my one thing I'm really hoping for is there's a new game out called Valorant by a company called Riot. Um, you need to get into the beta right now, which I haven't gotten yet, but it's just a new first person shooter that I'm really excited to try. Uh, I've had people ask me if I'm going to ever start streaming again because I... And by people, I mean I had like five viewers before when I used to do it with PUBG. (laughs) But um, if I get the key, I think I might start streaming again. That sounds like something fun and and entertaining to do and keep the whole streaming economy is up. I from what I can tell, like there there's tons of people streaming not only Mm -hmm. on YouTube but on Instagram Live all the time. I'll give a shout out to uh, I've seen so Zach King, uh, aka Final Cut King. He's been a, a YouTuber for. At just as long as me probably longer with these awesome like video editing trick kind of videos mm-hmm. um but he's also done on his instagram live he's done a sort of an and a lunchtime interview style like 45 minute live with various guests i huh. was on i think last week um in between i think it was megan trainer and uh, oh. another another youtuber i think like he's huh. he's got oh terry cruz is right before me so it was wow. it was pretty wild. Yeah, like he's got he's got the charisma to pull it off, and it's like a sort of a lunchtime sit down chat That's on awesome. Instagram. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give that shout out. I'll link his Instagram in the show notes if you want to check it out. Cool. Um, but I'll say, <laughs> as far as things keeping me busy, mm-hmm. I got a notification. This doesn't happen very often. Usually, when I get a software update for Tesla, I got to bring it up. <laughs> Whenever I get a software update for my car, it just says, "Hey, you have a software update from the Tesla app." Would you like to install it now? Yes. And then you get it, and then once you install it, you can go down to your car and check out the change log and play with the new features if there are any. And you guys have heard about these new features where they maybe make the car a little bit faster, maybe make it a little bit longer range. 
uh, I got a notification about an incoming software update and I'll just read it to you because I didn't okay. actually get the update. I just got a notification that uh -huh. I should be expect an update. So let me go in my inbox here in the update. So you haven't gotten the update. What you're saying is- I haven't is gotten the update. You've but been yesterday keeping busy they, by just reading the, the update over and yesterday, over Yesterday, yeah, they promised <laughs> this update. You asked for it. With our latest over-the-air software update for the Model S performance, we've improved zero to 60 acceleration to 2.4 seconds and quarter mile time to 10.4 seconds. Go for more back-to-back -back runs with improved thermal endurance and activate launch <laughs> mode with the press of the pedals. Launch mode's new cheetah stance lowers the front axle and adjusts damping before entry for better traction and faster acceleration off the line. You'll automatically receive this update based on your location and vehicle configuration. You can't request it. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I, I tweeted this maybe once or twice before, but yeah, they're still pushing software updates to make these cars faster. Um, I don't use launch control that much in my daily driving yeah. but if i if i ever do have you have to have ludicrous plus turned on which is like the highest end performance warms up the battery temperature all that uh -huh. and then you enable launch control by like putting down the brake pedal then pumping the the go pedal i call it since it's not the gas pedal mm -hmm. pump the go pedal it enables it and then let go of the brakes and you're you're taking off uh, that will now literally lower the car. I think that's the coolest name, the cheetah stance. The cheetah, it's like pouncing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it lowers it lower to the ground to give you better traction, and it'll leap off the line at 2.3 seconds now. Now, that's that's lower than, like, average in the front, or or how is it doing yeah. that? It does already have, like, some sort of variant level, right? Or Yeah, the Raven Model S is a new suspension. It's had air suspension for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, so all the Model S's with air suspension have that automatic adjustment where if you get up to highway speed, it's lowering the suspension for okay. better aerodynamics, better efficiency, better range. And then you get back around like regular streets and it'll raise it back up for okay, comfort. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in general, it's pretty well known lower performance is better or lower, lower stance is better for yeah. performance. But now with the Raven, uh, suspension i guess you're able to lower it faster and a little bit more so it's mm -hmm. really lowering it all the way down to sort of jump off the line which is like springy it's kind of yeah. sick i'm i, I want to try it i haven't really gotten cool, the update yeah. yet but yeah i'm ready for that yeah if you ever pull up to a tesla and you see they're they're starting to lower down you know they're they're ready to go oh man you're not gonna win <laughs> don't condone <laughs> street racing but yeah that's how you know they're ready to rock it's funny how many people I, I notice, like, not race me, but, like, accelerate off of a green light, like, faster yeah. than no normal. It's I mean, really I funny, think it's actually. probably, like, if you think about the, the like, car enthusiasts who are very into to actual fuel combustion, like, motors, and they, they might not have seen a Tesla, and they know it's fast, but they don't know how fast it is. I'm sure some yeah. of them just want to see one really go. Yeah, and like they know what they're of, looking at. Yeah, they're just like, how how fast is it really? They want to see it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. Still don't race, but yeah, don't don't everybody race. <laughs> out there. Yeah, don't race. Um, all right, moving on to some news. We I think a lot of this episode is gonna be recapping almost everything we covered last week because last week we only had the OnePlus Eight Pro full review, but we didn't have a full review on the Eight. We didn't even have the SE in hand, and you didn't have the Magic Keyboard in hand. One week later, all of those are out on YouTube already. Um, so we're yeah. going to go a little more in depth into that. And then later, we're also going to talk about the Motorola Edge Plus, their new flagship. Um, but before that, quick little article I saw that I think is relevant to how we're recording podcasts at home. 
um, and could be interesting to anyone else. I I think I read something that like new podcast creates create new created podcasts are at like an all time high because everyone's sitting at home and they just want to oh, I believe talk it. to their friends and it, do yeah. stuff. Um, so if I told you that Nvidia's graphics card was helping people with podcasting, oh, would I you kinda, be surprised? I I saw this story. I saw the headline about mm. RTX voice. Uh, yeah. improving audio quality, but what is what does it exactly mean? How is it improving quality? All right. I just know there's like a setting in it. I, I linked a Verge article in here that I think you should open up because it has a soundbite in it. Um, the way I found this was I saw something on Twitter of, it was actually a video of a guy, and I'll post the video in the show notes below. A guy's at his streaming setup and he takes like a handheld vacuum and he like, turns it on behind him and i was like what are you doing and i just read the little caption that said uh like tired of your mom vacuuming behind you while you're trying to talk to your friends nvidia's rtx can now help it so i turned it on and it doesn't even sound like he's turning the vacuum on uh yeah so i guess with nvidia's new rtx cards they have something called rtx voice that helps eliminate background noise and i assumed that was just going to be like some some dull humming which we've had issues at even right like Last week's oh, episode, yeah. we had to I actually ask Mark at Studio 71 to clean it up for us. Um, so thank thank you to him. But I thought it would eliminate some humming. Then I saw, like I said, the video of the guy holding a vacuum behind him and it reduced it. And then in this Verge article, which I'm going to link in the show notes as well because it has an audio clip. It just shows the guy talking while he's typing and then he turns it on and it just sounds like he's talking. But he's swearing that he's continuing to type and you don't right. hear anything. So I, I think you should this. give it a listen. Yeah. I got to hear it. This is a quick test to show you exactly how well RTX voice works. I'm just going to start typing now. Uh, and this is with the microphone input selected to Blue Snowball. I'm recording this using Zoom's built-in call recording feature. Uh, you can just hear the mechanical keyboard in the background. That's Cherry MX Brown switches. Uh, it's a little bit distracting. So if we switch the microphone over to uh, NVIDIA RTX voice, uh, which you just select as a microphone input after you've installed the app. And I'm going to start typing now. And I promise you that I am typing on exactly the same keyboard. And NVIDIA's software has completely removed the sound of the keyboard. Okay, so that is super impressive. I know, I basically what I was expecting was, uh, I know we, we have all this power on these, these graphics cards, so it's awesome that they're using some extra power for this good stuff. Uh, I, I wasn't actually shocked that it would be good with a vacuum because a vacuum is this really high-pitched yeah. whine and it's like a really constant sound. You, you know? can find the like frequency good... of it, yeah. And... Exactly. So if you're on an airplane, no matter how loud that airplane is, your noise-canceling headphones are probably going to be able to cancel most, if not all of it, and just let you hear the music because it's all in one basic big chunk of frequencies that most music isn't. Um, so, you know, the vacuum, it's impressive because it's loud, but it didn't shock me. But the keyboard typing is like mm -hmm. not very consistent. So it's really impressive that it was able to pick that up as not his voice so quickly, like instantly, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would love to test it with like one, like regular things in the background that are just standard frequencies, like we talked about, but even just like different types of keyboards. Like if this thing, I think the, the best way they could advertise this is somebody like, Playing a game, slamming on their key, their mechanical keyboard with like blue switches, the the headache <laughs> switch, and the if it can ones. take if it can take blue switches out of regular audio, like that might be one of the most impressive things I've seen this year, honestly. 
it makes it's honestly it makes me curious how much of it will it allow to go through like if it mm-hmm. just learns your voice after a while will it get rid of birds chirping outside your window you know cars honking their horns like basically anything that's not his voice is getting rid of that if someone else with a really high-pitched voice wanders into the room mm-hmm. will it get rid of that voice too will it keep that i don't know just like yeah this could solve because you can use it in in like zoom calls and stuff i don't know about the voice thing but if it could get that far you might finally be able to have your kids running around screaming all day during your your work zoom calls and not hear them at all not even worry about it yeah interesting i don't know all Uh, right i would love to test that out that would be really cool to try and i like especially for streamers are already packing a great graphics card and stuff they do so that little thing as long as it doesn't the other thing I'd like to test is if it like jacks up your CPU usage or anything or, or your graphics card usage. I don't know why it would do CPU usage because it's your graphics card, but if it would like heat it a little too much or get it going a little too far, but I'm assuming if you have like an RTX 2080, you're probably totally yeah, I get fine. The feeling, I get the feeling this is one of those things that they just have so much headroom and so much extra power yeah. on these cards that you might as well throw these things at the graphics card to keep it off of your CPU, so... This is something that they've just been tweaking and I guess figured out well enough to push it. Uh, do you know if it's a software update or it's just going to show up in your uh, your NVIDIA software, I guess, and I'm, you'll be able to turn it on? I'm assuming if you're keeping your graphics cards up to date, uh, it's going to be in there. Like I said, I mostly just saw that this is it's software. I don't have an RTX graphics card to test it on. I would kill to test it, especially in the position we're in right now. Like I'm recording everything on a windows-based computer if i had a, hey, an nvidia. rtx card like yeah hey nvidia what's wink, up wink wink <laughs> wink wink um i would love to tell but like for anybody who's doing a podcast at home there's probably a good chance people have rtx cards so maybe give it a shot it might really clean up your audio it's not just i feel like everyone probably assumes it's mostly for streaming but if you have a podcast i feel like that that's a really easy simple way of, of really cleaning everything up quick hack sweet yeah. All right, well, let's let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk a lot of hardware. We got OnePlus 8, we got iPhone SE, we got the Magic Keyboard, we got the uh, Moto Edge Plus, like you mentioned, so all this stuff coming right up. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Support for Waveform comes from Coda. So it can be tough to stay organized when your team is spread across time zones, With Coda, you can help keep your whole team on the same page with an all-in-one collaborative workspace that brings together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. That means less time ping-ponging between different tabs and tools and more time on your projects. So with Coda's extensive planning capabilities, you can stay aligned when managing planning cycles and while measuring objectives and key results. Plus, you can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by others in Coda's gallery. So over 50,000 teams across the world collaborate with Coda, from the New York Times to Square, uh, from Toast to TED and Uber. So if you want a platform that enables and empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. You can head over to coda.io 
slash wave. So that's coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash wave to get started for free. Coda dot I-O forward slash wave. All right, welcome back. So last week we kind of went over our first impressions of OnePlus 8 because uh, we already had the 8 Pro and the, the 8 was the next video. Yeah. The $699 OnePlus not quite flagship phone. Um, and we are still waiting on seeing the iPhone SE and the Magic Keyboard. And Andrew, you still haven't seen any of these things in person yet, technically. In, no, I haven't seen anything in person. So I guess we'll, we'll take a look. We'll start with the OnePlus 8 since we, we fully covered it. It's reviewed now. Um, and basically the theme of, actually the title of the review is it's no longer special. And that's a fun fact is I was actually working on a review of the Poco X2 a little bit earlier. And the working title for that video was Special is the New Normal. So it's like the, this this super budget, and I'll go more into that in the full review, but this, yeah. this super budget phone, super low price, 120 hertz display. Typically, this would be like pretty special, pretty incredible for this price. But when you look around at the rest of the landscape, like there are others. There are the Pixel 3a. There are the Moto G uh, Power and the Moto G Stylus and the, the Moto G Hyper. Like there's all these other phones that also have special features at this low price. So anyway, OnePlus 8, 699. It's got a lot of nice features. We talked about it, Snapdragon 865, a lot of RAM, UFS 3.0 storage, high-end performance, 90 hertz display, mm-hmm. um, and you know a pretty decent set of cameras, not really quite up to flagship quality. It's just not as special anymore. Yeah, it's like, it's there. I All the things that OnePlus used to do that made everything like their brand, I feel like, is just being adapted by everybody else now, so it's not... Like you said, it's not quite as special in this smaller one. And it I think it looks also not as special when you have the pro next to it, which is just like has yeah. everything and like it's you're so excited about all their new stuff, you're like, Oh, I'm just not as excited about this anymore. Right. But it is still a really good phone, yeah, is the yeah, thing. Yeah. Like we we slick, we see the eight pro and we're like, Oh, that's a really great phone. They finally made a flagship. If they never made the the eight pro, let's say, they just mm-hmm. came out with this phone. I'd, I'd probably be kind of impressed still like, oh, okay, they put a Snapdragon 865 and 12 gigs of RAM and all this stuff in a phone for 700 bucks. Like it's it's pretty good. It's not special because we still have other high-end performers. We still have iPhone 11 for that matter. Mm-hmm. But it's if you buy this phone and you get it, you just got a pretty great phone with a 90 hertz OLED and all this nice stuff, this Oxygen OS software. Like it's a good phone. Um, the one thing we, we were talking about was the camera uh not quite as good they have a two megapixel macro camera when i like watched that part of the video i think i rewound it because you're like it has a two megapixel macro and no telephoto i was like yeah what like at seven (laughs) hundred dollars macro is just not the thing that i'm like i'm not going and buying a cheaper phone and being like but i need it to have a macro a two megapixel macro it it kind of feels like they're trying to make macro a thing like one plus why are you trying to make macro yeah, a this, thing? This ain't we it, got Chief. the yeah, we got the ultra wide stuff, right? And everyone went, mm-hmm. "Oh, ultra wide, that's sweet. I like this. So let's get those those ultra wides to be as good as quality as the main cameras." These macro cameras, they've they've done well. The, the OnePlus 7T had a pretty cool macro camera. It got some attention. People liked it. Um, they could have saved money and just not put a macro camera in this phone, and no one would have been mad. Um, but they really felt the need to toss a two megapixel macro camera into this phone as if it's one of the things they need um 
again, they left out wireless charging. They left out official IP68 certification. Yeah. They left out 120 hertz display. While you're at it, cut out the other yeah, couple yeah, weird yeah. things and maybe drop the price even more. Um, anyway, uh, so that was just kind of weird. Yeah, I think like there is such a small handful of people who like would first of all use a macro camera to actually take nice photos. Um, and that's so few, it's not worth putting it in there. And if I would so much rather grab like the moment macro lens and put it on the actual shooter that has a way better quality. And then if I really, really wanted to take macros, shoot it with the the moment lens for it, which even, yeah. even like when you're thinking of Mo- I, OnePlus should have went to moment and checked out their, uh, their sales because i bet you the macro lens from moment is probably like the least sold out of the the wide the ultra wide the two times and everything it it just seems like such a ridiculous yeah it's a weird inclusion the one excuse i could maybe give them is maybe this this macro camera is this incredibly cheap part that they could just toss in there and it's because when they were saving off on yeah they were saving money in the cameras already they already don't have a telephoto and i'd argue telephotos are while they're not very commonly used, they are at least a little bit used more often than macros, I think, ever For have sure. been. Yeah. So if you're going to cut out you know, cameras and save money, cutting out a telephoto was a conscious move because, hey, you know, we'll save money and the quality will be probably just as good with cropping the main camera mm-hmm. as a bad telephoto. Um, yeah, so that maybe the macro is super cheap. I, I kind of want to get more into finding out how much these parts of phones cost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going back to the last podcast. That would, actually, that would like, be a super fun podcast episode if somebody had like knew all that like a parts breakdown Mm -hmm. yeah i mean every every company is gonna have different answers apple supply chain is incredible they probably have different answers but what if what if we could just see a a chart of like all right snapdragon 865 boom cost this much yeah uh and we'll actually talk a little more about that later um but you know how much does the ram cost how much does the body and the design cost and if we put a new display in, how much does that cost Mm -hmm. um all that stuff is fascinating but one thing I will say about OnePlus 8 is that 699 with the Snapdragon 865, it is one of the cheapest 5G phones that you can buy right now. Yeah. So 700 bucks if you're if you're trying to actually use this phone for a couple of years, you don't see yourself upgrading to another 5G phone soon. This one with that chipset is compatible. That's assuming you also believe that 5G is going to be a mainstream thing in the lifetime of when you buy this phone. Which yeah, I that's honestly debatable. think four, four, four to five years is like a pretty long lifetime for a phone. I still don't know if I fully believe 5G is going to be like a, a totally mainstream worth it thing Yeah, in that in four to five years. But I think people are kind of all over the place when they think that's going to be mainstream and important. I think the long story short, what we're learning with OnePlus 8 is it would have been special if it was like a hundred bucks cheaper. Or mm-hmm. if the OnePlus 8 Pro was either a little bit better or a little bit cheaper. It's yeah. <laughs> in like this this awkward middle, like 900 bucks. Okay, technically you're a little bit less expensive than some of the other flagship options. Like if Galaxy S20 Plus is your equivalent, you're undercutting it, you know, 200 bucks yeah. cheaper. But again, people might like the cameras better in, in Samsung. They might like the the software update history of OnePlus. There's, there's debates there. Um, but if OnePlus Eight was uh, five ninety nine, yeah, that that I think would that would start to raise eyebrows again. Might be a little more special. So I think that's what we're learning. That's what OnePlus is learning. So we talked about like how maybe taking out the macro lens could even bring the price down. Do you think there's anything else that that you wouldn't mind 
missing in the one plus eight to get it into that like five to six hundred dollar like category because i really feel like if it was if the num if the price number started with a five for one plus eight whether that's 500 or even 599 i think that's a much yeah. better sell that is a that's a good question i really didn't like the back of the phone as i mentioned in the <laughs> review it's just crazy reflective yeah. like aura interstellar glow is what they called it um could, that could have like, easily just been toned down imagine no macro and imagine like the the kind of plastic backing that the Pocophone F1 had. Honestly, I don't mind the matte, uh, matte like hard rubberized plastics as much mm-hmm. as some people. I think plastic gets a bad rap because, hey, plastic's cheap. You don't want to put plastic in a phone. But yeah, I could see if they went, went away from that glass because they're not doing wireless charging anyway. So I might yeah, as well right? not have as breakable of a phone. So give me that like hard plastic back, matte red, matte black, whatever you want to do. Get rid of the macro lens too. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I mean, right about, there probably could it. knock off a hundred bucks. Uh, once again, we don't know exact pricing, but I can't imagine glass back is like a super cheap thing to do, especially compared to a plastic that can probably just be stamped super easily and thrown on the back of it. I don't, it's, it's possible. I don't know because a lot of it comes from volume. So if they're mm-hmm. already making yeah. a ton of glass backs, they just have a different mold and they just keep using that same machine. I don't know exactly how it works. But uh, yeah, you know, we saw a lot of great phones with plastic backs, so that's that's what came to mind. Yeah, um, there you go. Make a plastic back. I I don't know why more companies don't do that. Make a plastic back. Pocophone F two is the only one I can really think of lately that hasn't had a glass back, and so many of them don't have wireless charging. And you can still wireless charge. Or would it get oh, too the first hot? First Pocophone. Um, I don't I think you don't. can do wireless charging through plastic. I think it's the you can't do it through metal, and that makes sense. But would it just be a heat issue in terms of plastic that it could be affecting the plastic? I think it's a conductivity issue. I think it's a physical, a physics issue. Okay, I would like to know that. If anyone knows that answer, please tweet at us or something. I, I'd be very interested in that. I feel like no phones that are cheap enough that are putting plastic on the back of it are ever using wireless charging. So, yeah, I can't believe this is the first time (laughs) I've thought about that. But, uh, anyways. (laughs) Um, I got tweeted at a ton, uh, last week we asked you guys to send us questions or anything you were, you were interested in to talk about. And I think this is cool because it talks about the one plus eight, but it is actually cheaper to buy a one plus eight in India right now. If you can, if you consider the conversion rate from rupees to us dollars, um, and it is cheaper also is actually cheaper than an iPhone SE to buy in India. What? Yeah. Um, the the one plus eight is cheaper than the iPhone S. SE. Okay, so th- yep. does that mean the SE is like way more expensive? I, I think there are a lot of things to do with it. Um, first Jeez. of all, like people ask us about different currencies all the time, and it's really hard for us to talk about it because we live in the U.S. and we just don't experience any of that. Um, but when somebody, a bunch of people, sent this to me, I just did a little bit of research and found a pretty cool article. Uh, I'll link it in the show notes, but I pulled it up from Marquez. So there's a couple different reasons. The first one is that there's actually an India-specific version of the OnePlus 8 that has 6 gigs of RAM. So they have oh. a, a less specced out base version. Does um, it still have a macro camera? <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, so let's see. The 6 gig, 128 storage comes out at 42,000 rupees, which is around $550 which is super interesting because okay. we were just talking about a $500 uh, 
OnePlus yeah. phone, that feels like six gigs of RAM is still plenty, especially in a five hundred dollar phone. That is, it's pretty good. Of, yeah, yeah. Um, what is one or uh, Pixel Four is? Is it six, right? Six, I believe it's six gigs of RAM. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because I mean the phone still has a Snapdragon eight sixty five, and yep. when you have those high end specs, you're hoping it'll last a little longer. Obviously, it's that's the best chipset we have in Android right now. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, you start to knock down the RAM, and that's one of the first things that you'll notice in like year three of owning a phone is, man, it just keeps kicking apps out the RAM. Like mm-hmm. it's not lasting as long as I thought it would. So that's an interesting uh, chop down there, but. Yeah, I mean, getting the phone under under six hundred bucks is important. Also, I I we hear about pricing all the time. Maybe you don't read the comments as much as I do, especially in like videos about the iPhone SE where I put three hundred ninety nine US dollars in the thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole focus of the phone. Yeah. Is this cost three hundred ninety nine US dollars before price and tax and shipping, of course. Yeah. Um but yeah, of course, whenever that's the main story. And I was talking about how I don't really talk about price that much, but I'm going to have to do it more. Yeah. Whenever that's the main story, immediately there's a ton of comments. This is actually $600 in this country. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is actually $500 in this country. Oh, this is $550 in Canada. This is $500 in Australia. This is $600 in Iraq. Like there's a ton of comments all about all these different countries yeah, where yeah. the prices are different. I so. think I've just learned how to <laughs> kind of skip over most of those when I'm reading the comments and uh I mean, I'm so I'm so tuned in to this market that they're specifically yeah. trying to attack, and obviously, an iPhone in the U.S. market is I mean, it's huge. This this is a big deal for the iPhone in the mm-hmm. U.S. Um, and I'd be curious if there's others who are you know focusing on how this price fits into other markets. There are definitely other videos about it, but yeah, well, so just if if those are curious, that's we're based in the U.S., so that's why yeah, I'm yeah. in U.S. dollars. Uh, so, it, but what also it seems like the reason that it is cheaper in India is they have, it seems like they have some sort of manufacturing plant in the country because even oh, okay. if you get the eight gig version, it's still, it's 45,000 rupees, which is around $590 US. So it's still under $600, like a hundred bucks cheaper than the US. So yeah. you really take out those like import duty fees and you can save quite a bit of money, um, which then on the other spectrum of it, you bring in an iPhone that's not manufactured there and it goes to 42,500. So it's 500 rupees more than the six gig version. So it's like the iPhone SE is a little tiny bit more expensive than the India specific variant of the OnePlus 8. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's gonna factor in. Your tweet is a total lie and that (laughs) there is not only a cheaper OnePlus or cheaper iPhone than OnePlus, so. They didn't undercut them after all. Not <laughs> We're going to cancel anyway. you, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's that I that actually matters a lot where you manufacture something. That's why uh, also people talk about a lot about how Teslas are more expensive in other countries and why they have to make a gigafactory in every continent so mm-hmm. they can make these cars and ship them for cheaper. Because uh, right now in Europe, a Model S costs 20 grand more. Um, okay, let's take a quick ad break and we'll come back. We'll talk iPhone SE and all the other stories we had this week, plus some other stuff. Be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? 
That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life, depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at Aorus.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. All right, welcome back. And we might as well just jump right in. iPhone SE review dropped this week. Uh, I had the product Red Edition, Apple's new $399 iPhone. I think I said in the review the price maybe like 35 times. Um, but it's the story. It's the story. So there were there were rumors about this cheaper iPhone coming. It shows up. It's an iPhone 8 body with the A13 and uh, a single camera on the back. And uh, it's good. It's really good. There's a lot of things about it that people mm-hmm. like and when it comes to basically the end of the video, I talked about why this phone is so important and why it's going to sell like hotcakes, I think, is basically there are a ton of budget phones, right? Mm-hmm. $300, $400, $500, $600 phones. And now we talked about what is budget, but hey, there's a bunch yeah, of budget yeah. phones. <laughs> and each one of them has like one, maybe two like big selling points. So yeah, that the Pocophone sure. X2, this is the one with the 120 hertz display. Right, the Pixel 3a. This is the budget phone with an incredible camera. Wow, super great. Um, the Moto G stylus. Wow, this is the budget phone with a camera. I don't have to buy a gal- or sorry, with a stylus. I don't have to buy a Galaxy Note to get a stylus. I can spend 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the budget phone that's an iPhone. <laughs> and that's the selling point, and that's good enough for a lot of people. Um, and it doesn't really have too many of the trade-offs of those other phones I talked about. You know, Pixel 3a, I talk about how much I love that camera all the time. Yeah. But it was also not a very good performer and not a very good screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Pocophone, I'll, I'll get into their, that review later, but it's not a very good screen. It's not the best build. It's acceptable, but it's a, it's kind of kind of big. Um, and we also have Moto G Stylus. You know, you're, you're probably not going to have the best camera on that phone. When you look at the iPhone SE... You're thinking, all right, it's an iPhone camera. And sure enough, it turned out to be a pretty good camera. Uh Best videos on any budget phone. Pretty great battery life. 
It's uh, it's the iPhone 8's build, which let's not forget was a seven hundred dollar flagship phone a couple yeah, years ago. That's the thing is iPhone 8 makes it sound like four or five years ago, but we forget that iPhone 8 came out with the iPhone 10. It's not it. They skipped yeah. a year and it came out as the same year as the 10, so it's two years three newer years than it really sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So 2017, this was a flagship. This is an aluminum and glass back. It's a well built phone. No headphone jack, but it's a well built phone. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a pretty good screen and you have iOS and all the features of the iPhone that people love and that's good enough for most people. So th- this phone's going to sell a lot as I think oh, what yeah. we landed on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for one, we say this all the time. So many people that are buying phones know the name of a phone. I The amount of people that I say, what phone do you have? They say, I have an iPhone or I have a Galaxy is like if you're oh, talking yeah, to classic. someone that's not a tech person those that is probably what they say um or they say no it used to be i have it a used droid, to be droid. No, yeah people still say that be... i feel like a lot really? of people with like motorola and lg who don't have like really uh like snappy catchy names when they go to a carrier service and they're getting an android phone that's cheap they still huh. say droid i know plenty of people who still say i have a droid that's so it's funny a confusing. lot of people in my in my worlds just say the name brand of their phone Mm-hmm. So I have an LG. I've yeah. got a I've got a Motorola. I've got a Samsung, and maybe a Samsung Galaxy. But that's as, usually as far as they go. As far as like what they know, their phone is. Mm-hmm. I have an iPhone. Is just like oh, it's you just always have one just of iPhone. the iPhones. Yeah, it's very. Um, but the so, fact that somebody can go into a carrier right now and say I want an iPhone, and they're just going to pick the cheapest model. That thing is going to fly off the shelves. Yeah. I'd say you could probably say some cheap Androids got better sales because somebody went in and wanted an iPhone because they'd heard about it and then they saw the price of it and they're like no, yeah that's, that's I was thinking yeah I was thinking a lot about that this changes the landscape of like making a purchase decision I think every single phone we have to think about now at like anywhere near this price this is always going to come up now like oh mm-hmm. you could just get an iPhone SE for 400 bucks oh, yeah. like that's Every time, every $400 phone that comes out now has to compete against that iPhone. Um, right before that, when we didn't have that, it was like every phone at like six or $700 ran up against the iPhone 11, which was 799 Yeah. but it dropped a little bit. So like, are you really competing against an iPhone? Now it's like everything, mm-hmm. everything has Literally, to compete like against basically the iPhone. Everything. It's, it's so crazy. That's, and yeah. I would say even, so we, we've like talked so much about how you were just talking before about how there it's like a cheaper version and now it's the cheaper version with this like this is the thing you're going for if yeah. you are somebody who doesn't care about ios or android and are comfortable on either i find it really hard to pick the 3a over the se cuz i think the cameras are completely comparable and you're getting so much better performance and long probably longevity yeah longevity just because of the chip oh yeah out of oh, 100 so like if you're not super stuck in android and you're willing to switch between the other i can't see how anyone would pick the budget google phone over the iPhone. yeah yeah right now and we we expect pixel 4a is coming True. but if we just look at 3a like you know that phone doesn't have the highest end chipset it's gonna get promised a couple years of updates just because it's a pixel but it's not going to perform very well on later and later versions because of this Mm -hmm. and if i'm being honest yes i do prefer the still photo camera quality from the pixel 3a but that's a pretty narrow thing to prefer the still photo camera 
quality. Even the still photo camera performance, as far as how fast it takes the pictures, is not as fast as the iPhone. Um, you start to add up the other things, like when I put those photos side by side, you can sort of manipulate the iPhone photo to, be, to get closer to the pixel. But people who are just pointing and shooting, which is, let's be real, most people buying $400 phones, uh -huh. um, are going to love the quality from the iPhone. They're going to oh, take yeah. videos. They're going to love the video quality way more from the iPhone. The audio quality, they're going to love way more from the iPhone. They're going to be able to share it more easily from the iPhone with other mm -hmm. iPhone users. Like, it's just a whole world. Um, yeah, so now, even, what do you do? Even that, like, if you're thinking of just, you know, if for whatever reason you're like, I want a $400 phone and my the thing I love the most is still photography. The iPhone is still so close to the pixel that it's it would be really hard to be like, you would need, the only thing you would have to care about is still image photography to pick yeah. the pixel over the iPhone because of and, how much better the overall experience is when you finally do use it as a phone. Right, and not to, not to keep gushing on the iPhone, but on top of all of that, if this was a budget Android phone, let's say for a $399 price, it kind of still does have some killer features. It has that, that high quality build, mm -hmm. but it also has a more powerful chip set than any Android phone. That's Actually, in fact, that, that's the headline I just saw yesterday was the cheapest iPhone has a more powerful chipset than the most expensive Android phone. And guess what? It's true. It's going to last longer. Yeah. Um, so it's got that and it has a pretty solid video camera. So if you're, if you're really looking for killer features, you can find them in the iPhone SE. Um, that brought me to my yeah. fun Twitter question prompt, which was like, what would, and maybe you guys can tweet at me if you can think of a better one, but what would the Android equivalent of the iPhone SE be today if they tried to make one? And the one I tossed out on Twitter was, what if they made, what if they made a, a Nexus 5 with, they tossed a Snapdragon 865 and 8 gigs of RAM in there, and they just spit that out, call it the uh, Nexus SE, and charge 399 bucks for it. I would people like that? I mean, I think people would like it. I think the really funny thing, though, is that you need to specify how much RAM it has just to be equivalent to the <laughs> A13. Like yeah, just that's iOS, just a, yeah. Yeah, that's just like showing how great I, I yeah. We feel you just mentioned how we feel like we're gushing. I've never used an iPhone as an actual like phone, and I still understand how incredible their ecosystem is inside a phone, and how powerful it is, and how great it just works together, and how long it works. So like, just tossing in a Snapdragon eight fifty five into like, if you took the three A and put an eight sixty five into it, it's still not anywhere near as good. Yeah, As the, the, the vertical integration the they have does wonders. Um, a lot of the responses but, I got to this Twitter prompt were, okay, were either like, yeah, I would totally buy that. The Nexus 5 was one of my favorite phones. Or um, the Nexus 5 had a not that great battery life or not that great screen. It was also plastic, but that wasn't a huge deal to me thinking about this. Um, and they were like, nah, I would never buy this phone. Mm -hmm. um, but the most interesting one was this wouldn't even be possible. <laughs> and when you think about it, um, the reason it's not possible, I told you I would come back to this. The Snapdragon 865 from Qualcomm, when you buy it, you get looped into also buying their 5G modem with it. It's a oh, system really? on a chip. There's a whole lot going on there. And just the price of that by itself puts you up so high, you can't really? finish off the phone for 400 bucks. <laughs> so even if Google or LG actually was still making Nexus 5, churning them out for dirt cheap, putting a Snapdragon 865 
and eight gigs of RAM in this phone and just keeping the original camera, the original screen and all that, you have to charge like more than 400 bucks for this phone, which is kind of rough. Um, that's what I was going to say earlier. How do you compete against a $400 iPhone other than just going lower than 400 bucks? Yeah. Um, sacrifice more, but make sure it's the right sacrifices and hit a lower price point. Um, or, or just under, like hope you have enough brand loyalty to stick with an Android device. Pretty much. Good luck with that because (laughs) you're Uh, sticking uh, to brand loyalty. I mean, against the iPhone, that's tough. But also, you could you could try to go super, super hard in, into, like, one feature that you know people will want over the iPhone. And, you know, maybe that's higher refresh rate. I don't know. Maybe that's an incredible that camera. Yeah, what like, does the iPhone missing right now? An OLED? How, how bad do people want OLEDs? How bad do people who man, buy $400 do you, phones want OLEDs? Was that John Morrison who did the... Um, he When the iphone what was the first oh he put the he put he, the screens behind yeah yeah like he covered a, it and had the screens and and like had, it was like equal as to who picked whichever one because right like really a high-res oled versus the iphone's supposedly terrible 720p lcd yeah like i i don't think i don't think a screen would be so you're saying like if a if a 300 a 399 phone had like a crazy good res- resolution slash high refresh rate screen, and that was its like big selling point. And then had an and then had all like right a processor and like a yeah and Ugh. like a not good camera. I don't think that Ugh. unless you like play yeah. game gaming maybe, but I don't think it would be able to handle it with the chip. So yeah, and I the battery. Know. Yeah, it's, See, hard. it's tough. Apple has uh, a, an Lou. unfair advantage here. <laughs> it's true. Lou, uh, Lou from Unbox Therapy. He tossed out another one. I'm gonna go to Twitter right now. Question for tech enthusiasts. He put a, a picture of, what's this, uh, Galaxy S7 Edge. Uh, if they put, if Samsung kept making the Galaxy S7 Edge, put a Snapdragon 865 in there, again, assuming it's even possible, uh, would you want this phone? Now, this is, a, this is another tough one because now you're down on software updates a little bit. You have that Edge display, which is, you know, it's fine. I'm was, not the biggest fan. Was S7 Single Edge camera. the one coming out around... I think we should pick a phone that's the same year the iPhone 8 came out in terms of... Yeah, it's three years ago. The S7 Edge was three years ago? Wouldn't it have been... Yeah, because we're on S20 now, and then S9 and S8 and S7. So this is four years ago. So it's like a a year before. 10, 9, 8, though. So wouldn't it be 8? Because I feel like the jump from 7 to 8 is huge. Oh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, so we're... I think it would be... I would would have to think of like an S8. Because, man, so an the S7 still... Edge was rough. I would never yeah. want that phone, like, redone. <laughs> okay, so let's say Galaxy S8, uh, newer chip, that's all they do. It's still got that camera. It's still got that screen, those bezels. Uh, I think it still has a home button. Would you buy that phone for 400 bucks? Um, the S8 actually had that. I loved the S8 home button. It was not a physical home button, but it was, like, a physical under the screen home button. Like you still pressed oh, it and got like a feedback. That. It was great. Okay. I don't know why they got rid of that. But um that's Hot much take. that's their best design phone ever. I loved that. Or I had the Note 8 and I absolutely loved it. But S8 865, if it could keep with software updates as well as the SE, I think that would be like one of the best competitors to it, especially just like also in terms of the demographic of I'm walking into a store with no knowledge and I want 
the cheapest Galaxy. You know, people hear Galaxy all the time. They know people have Galaxies that aren't iPhones and they go in, I want the cheapest Galaxy and they saw it's Yeah. Yeah. Four hundred bucks. Here's what I'll say. I would still pick the iPhone, but I think that could actually that would be its best competitor. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, you'd still pick the iPhone. I, I'll say uh, that phone would either tie with or lose in every major spec or feature against the iPhone SE. Battery life, it might tie. Software updates, software updates it would lose. Uh, camera quality, it would lose. It might tie in photos, but lose in video. Display is is the, maybe the, the one thing it, you could yeah, see. The build of it, it looks win. more new age than the iPhone SE or the iPhone definitely, 8. Like, definitely. No okay, bezel. that's where yeah, it would win. That's yeah. where it would Galaxy win. Galaxy S8. Straight to hardware design. You get that fingerprint reader on the back, which is, you know, it's not touch ID, but it's it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, the single camera system, it's it's not an iPhone camera, but it's, it's all right. Um, but, you know, you're not going to trounce it in pretty much any other way. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's going to be real interesting to see how budget phones respond over the next couple of years and how they, you know, the companies that are traditionally doing really good budget phones, how they react, how they pivot. Do they keep going full steam ahead with their strategies or do they change? That's that's why I'm so happy about iPhone SE is we're, mm-hmm. we're going to get some really good budget phones. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's pivot wildly to a three hundred fifty dollar accessory <laughs> um, because the same company that sells the four hundred dollar iPhone sells very expensive things. Um, I reviewed the iPad Magic Keyboard uh, case trackpad. Key, what, would I, what do I call this? It's just a Magic Keyboard magic case. Key- it's something I'm wildly excited about that I will never use really? because I don't have an iPad <laughs> or I've never oh. used an iPad like as my own. Um, I just thought so, it looked really cool. I, as um, much as I love it, yeah. as much as I really liked using it. And as, as I concluded in the video, it gets the closest to bringing the iPad mm. to a laptop. I'm talking to you right now on a MacBook air and I bought myself an iPad, just threefold folio case because I'm the type of person that leaves my iPad in the case all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to carry around all that extra weight for the I mean, keyboard that I don't use. Yeah, it's it's heavier. In the video, you show that it's heavier than the actual iPad itself. So therefore, twice as heavy. The top heaviness of it seems like a, a real issue. If it's you're close. not just like on a, if you're not just on a solid surface and it's like solidly on there. It yeah. seems like it would be a problem with top heavy. It's so it's fu- it's perfectly fine on a desk, and mm-hmm. I use it on a table all the time. But it's as soon as you get to your lap, which is where I use a laptop. You, you know, you get on your lap yeah. all the time. In fact, it's called a laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the weight of it is always in the bottom, so that it's the top heaviness of the iPad. You kind of feel that more. And as soon as you you tilt your legs below ninety degrees, yeah. then it feels like it's going to topple over, and you don't have to tilt very far until it does topple over. So that was kind of annoying. Yeah. I think the um, one it thing is really good. The one thing in the video that just totally sold me as like this did not succeed at what it wanted to do was how often you had to leave the keyboard and touch something on the screen of the iPad in order to do something. No, no escape key would drive me crazy. Um, yeah, no escape key. And you know, I, I tried to stick with the trackpad a lot for that stuff, but I just find myself just reaching up and touching the screen. Um, but yeah, like just to change like you know backlight brightness or just to just to command Q or, or quit some apps or go to multitasking and not deal with the gestures on the trackpad. There's a, there's a lot of different ways you can use this thing. Some of them are closer to a laptop than others. Um, but I, I find that I, I, 
I am still the type of person that uses the the iPad as an iPad more often. Um, so I'm sticking to the MacBook Air as my laptop right now. Mm-hmm. So do that's you, just that's just me. Do you think like because if you think about it, there are a lot of laptops that also still have touch screens involved into it and. I can't tell if it's one of those like weird gimmicks where people are like just looking for a laptop and see that it has a touchscreen and buy it and then realize they never use it. But am I just, am I just being like too picky and too old? I don't even know if you call it old school, but like I would never use a touchscreen on a laptop. Therefore, if I had this magic keyboard, I would hate that I have to touch the screen all the time because it would remind me of that. Is that I just like so, a new I'm, way you think people are going to do things? And we're just I'm being with stubborn? you. I never ever really wanted a touchscreen laptop. I've I've had touchscreen laptops and I never touch the screen anyway. I just keep using the, the mouse mm-hmm. and, and the keyboard like usual. Um, so the iPad as a laptop never really appealed to me, but there is a market of, of two-in-one users, Surface users, uh, all kinds of two-in-ones where people love it and they're touchscreens and they're flipping them over in the yoga books and they flip them over backwards and draw on them with styluses. Like that's a, it is a whole thing. Um, that people get really into. Uh, I happen to not be a huge, like I, I have an Apple Pencil, but what, I don't really use it for anything other than occasional Lightroom. Uh, I am not in that group of people. So I, it's hard for me to say how close the iPad gets to a two-in-one workflow, but mm-hmm. uh, I was never uh, a touchscreen on a laptop person. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I, I don't know why I didn't think of drawing, because like the, the iPad and the Apple Pencil and for artists i feel like must be incredible um so i could see that being as like if you are an artist who really likes drawing on a tablet and you like to answer some emails with a real keyboard every once in a while that seems like a pretty good deal i also saw people did you see everyone who was like flipping the keyboard over and it turned into like a drawing (laughs) pad with like the keyboard raised up in the air which is obviously i'm sure you can get all upside down set up yeah yeah There you go. Yeah, Un- no, unintended I, uh, feature. It's 350 bucks. We better have some extra features. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess we'll wrap it up with uh, Moto Edge Plus. Okay. <laughs> Motorola yeah. is back in the flagship space. Um, this one, I, I just got mine, but we I first saw it in Chicago a couple months ago now. And this, you know, obviously the yeah, world's changed and things were delayed. Um, but they've revealed their Moto Edge Plus finally. It's a 5G verizon exclusive for life which is dude i just read that on the uh, script and i had to like lean back and laugh so it wasn't right <laughs> in the microphone it's oh, rough that's... i think there it might be unlocked in some markets but yeah in the u.s it's a verizon exclusive for life which is pretty rough but mm-hmm. here's what they're dropping it's a snapdragon 865 12 gigs of ram ufs 3.0 6.7 inch full hd plus oled so it's not it's not 1440p, but it's it's a pretty big screen, yeah, and it's a full on 90 degree like melting over the sides waterfall oh, display. Really? It's literally called the Edge Plus because the screen so dramatically curves over. Like think Huawei P30 Pro, I think it was. Uh-huh. It's just as it's just as bad. I'll say bad, but some people might think that's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's just as bad. It looks great. Looks great when you're not. Looks using super it. cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I tweeted my my pictures of it. You know, it got a ton of attention for how good it looks, but you know, I'm I'll 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 review it. I'll give you my thoughts on it when I use mm-hmm. it. Um, it is a 90 hertz display. They didn't go awesome. full 120. That's um, still good. Yeah, it's good. 108 megapixel main camera, and you know, I'm curious again how close they get to the Galaxy S20 Ultra's issues or qualities. Uh-huh. Um, but it it appears to be at least that same sensor. 
uh, also with an 8 megapixel 3x telephoto and a 16 megapixel ultra wide with macro. It also has a 5,000 milliamp hour battery and uh, decently fast, not super fast charging. I think it's either 25 or 15 watt fast charging, not notable fast charging, but pretty big battery, 999. So it's, it's undercutting some of those ultra phones um, in price by mm-hmm. getting to 999, but it's definitely, it's, it's more interesting to me that Motorola is back with a flagship and thinks that this is the way to do it, notably going dramatic with the screen yeah the screen thing is like it's funny because two years ago we were all obsessed with the those screens because they look so cool and they seem so good and then i think we do you think it was a little bit of when it was first coming up with accidental touches we were all like they'll fix that eventually yeah i i really want to chart like the inflection point of when we went from hell yes to hell no on (laughs) waterfall screens the no was pretty recent and I almost yeah. feel bad because it's like the tech community and tech enthusiasts for so long were basically screaming at companies being like, we love waterfall edges. They look so cool. And I'm sure they're all like, all right, we're going to get on this. And then all of a sudden they, they create all these phones and we're like, we don't like it anymore. Stop. <laughs> and then they just have to like 180 and try and cater to our ever changing. It's needs. really. So, yeah. It's partially well, you say it's recent. Oh, definitely. definitely (laughs) You say it's recent, and I think it is probably within like the last two years. But like I, when I go back to the beginning of this, like because we had we were talking about the Galaxy S7 Edge a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. we had a bunch of Samsung phones where they had a normal chin and forehead, and we started thinking like, hey, let's shrink the bezels, let's see how close to the edge we can feel like we get. And then I don't know if you know what number it was, but there was a Galaxy Note like the Note 4 or something like Mm -hmm. really old, where one of the edges spilled over and not the other. I believe the S7 Edge was that as well. That's what the S7 Edge was. It was only one side of it that... Oh, no, no, that was the Note. So the S7 Edge had both both edges because they were super into their edge. But there was a Note Edge where for the first time, Samsung was like, let's just curve this like right over the side and like put some software features in that side, I do remember that. Screen. I remember being at work and somebody having it. Literally, a crowd of people around him looking at it. It was really it's interesting. Like, this looks yeah. so cool. And then you like, you're like, this makes no sense at all. I mean, but, it was the classic like early feature thing where it was like, oh, we put a pedometer in there. Edge, yeah. <laughs> we put a we put a news ticker in there, so your yeah. stock prices will slide across that edge. Like they were like, whatever. I yeah. don't know what's gonna work here, but we'll we're Samsung. We'll throw it out the wall if it sticks. Great. And it stuck and it had that like, holy crap, what is that moment where mm-hmm. people were gathering and were like, I really like this. Next phone they came out with, both sides rolled over the edges. Whoa, Samsung's killing it. We love this waterfall screen thing. Look at what they're doing with this immersion. All their commercials too about it were always all about how mm-hmm. it you know, was fully immersive, edgeless. I feel like I would um, say the, the peak of Samsung's like edge that we were the most hyped about it was probably the, the phone we were talking about before, which is the S8. That was like, the cleanest it looked having this like this nice edge it was like just enough of a roll off to where when you looked at it head on it looked like it had no side bezels at all and Mm -hmm. that just like looked beautiful and everyone was all on the hype train and then they kept doing it and then other companies started doing it and then i think all of us realized like this yeah the murmurs started coming up like well i do still get some accidental touches but like it's early they'll fix that um and, you know, of course, Apple never did it, so we never got to see Apple's version of, like, 
<laughs> doing it well yeah. or whatever they would have done. But, you know, you know, another year comes by and we're still getting accidental touches. Another year goes by. We're getting like bezels getting pushed closer to the top and bottom edges, but still not really fixing these awkward accidental touches. And the other thing that's, I think, a little underrated that I don't really talk about much, but as a video maker, I notice it every time is the reflection of light. If you're just yeah. trying to watch a video or something, you're going to get this big mean glare across either the top or the bottom edge, depending on where the light's coming from. Uh, with that curved screen so these things never went away and eventually the tone kind of changed in like the last two years where I started going you know I kind of like that this one has a flat screen (laughs) and uh, some of them started started backpedaling backpedaling a little bit Um, and eventually we started going in the other direction Samsung even on the new Galaxy S20 flattened out that screen and now we're seeing you know I think (laughs) Oppo and Huawei and Motorola going like, look how curved our screens yeah, are. This is so sick. And everyone's like, uh, guys, we're kind of done with the, the curved screen thing. So maybe we'll see that walked back over the next couple of years. We'll see everyone go back to flat, tiny bezels on the sides. Yeah, I, I think that's that's my favorite right now. And like I, I guess it kind of shows like which companies are the most up to date with kind of I guess it's hard to say because I don't know how long a phone is in production for. Did Samsung somehow catch the early murmurings of of waterfall edges and think like, oh, we should start trying to not do that anymore and just hit it at the perfect timing? Or are all of these other smartphone manufacturers just like completely ignoring it and just trying to go further and further into what they what was really popular three or four years ago? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's number one, um, Samsung can do whatever they want and try things. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing is a lot of these guys buy displays from Samsung. So they're not necessarily deciding um, what's, you know, what's in with displays. They're like, oh, we want this This, nice screen Samsung selling here with the curved edges. I saw Samsung do it well. I think we can do it too. This this just like sent me (laughs) off on some conspiracy theory of that, like, Samsung created this. I don't know if Motorola does a Samsung screen, but this was the the screen Samsung was going to use, and then they caught wind of people not liking it anymore, and they're like, "Damn, we need to make a Roll new screen. Back. Sell that one Roll for back. cheaper. Let's sell it to another <laughs> company, destroy them." And oh uh, my god, there will always be some good conspiracies about oh yeah, Samsung's it. displays. But hey, you know, now we have our choices. We have some curved ones. We have some. Some double curved ones, thanks to Huawei. We've got the, the the Edge Plus coming out. That review will be coming up soon. Cool. Um, and of course, we have uh, our flat iPhones and our our semi flat two point five D glass is what they're still calling it hmm. on Samsung, where they just curve over the edge just a little bit. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically it for what we had this week. Hey, next week we're gonna have Mark Gurman on. Um, we awesome. didn't get to touch on it during this episode, but Mark Gurman is a notable. Very accurate Apple leaker, now a Bloomberg reporter, but if you've ever seen the big stories about what to expect in the next iPhone, you can pretty much count on the most reliable information coming from him. Um, we're going to have him on just to talk about not just the the upcoming iPhone 12, of course, and see how much I can get him to say, uh, <laughs> but just like leak culture in general. Like, what's yeah, it like having this information? Do you feel like you're ruining the news cycle? Are you spoiling the, the great moment on stage where they reveal the design? Um, We'll talk about all that stuff. If you have questions from Mark, here's what I want you to do. Head over to WVFRM on Twitter and just ask the question you want us to ask Mark. Um, We'll link Mark in the show notes. He's great on Twitter. But again, that's who we're having on as a guest for the next episode next week. So stay tuned for that. 
And uh, that's been it for Waveform this week. Thanks for listening. Waveform is brought to you in part with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music was created by Cameron Barlow.